to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from DraftKings Studios, with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts. Week 7 is here, it's getting a little colder outside, the Yeti is waking up, and the snow model, ladies and gentlemen, is coming alive. What is just terrifying about this entire process, Kyle, is that normally the trend goes September, Derrick Henry's fine. October, he heats up a little bit. In November and December, the snow model just pops in and we're getting, you know, feet of snow daily and Derrick Henry is crushing records. But this year, he has come out of the gate on fire. So the model's a little off. But I will say, after last night's three touchdown performance on Monday Night Football for Derrick Henry, who just went berserk, um, I'm wearing a flannel. It is 45 degrees in Vermont. It is very cold and overcast, so snow could be coming sooner than later. Those of you that are just joining us, this is the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. Bets patented a snow model last year that was 100% accurate, that whenever it snowed in Vermont, it was the week for Derrick Henry to go off. And this year, it's peaking a bit early. We're having to tweak some of our algos and uh, make sure some of that info is good. But yeah, we're excited to talk about this next week of the DFS slate. Our Tuesday show, this is what I've noticed, Bets, and you've given this feedback as well. Our takes on Tuesday tend to be a little bit more optimal because as you go through the week, you start thinking about tons of other scenarios. And our Friday show is kind of the full rundown of our picks. But I feel like these Tuesday shows give people a preview of the slate and maybe those early best plays. Yeah, and that's been the trend the last couple of weeks. You know, last week we were like, oh, look at that. Joe Mixon, what a great matchup. Oh, look at that. Jonathan Taylor, what a smash week for him. And and those things definitely worked out. And I've just found myself being able to log in on Tuesday, kind of the first uh, glance of the slate. You know, it's this old saying, like, trust your gut and trust what sticks out to you. And I feel like the last couple of weeks, that's really worked for us. Not even just those two running backs, other plays as well. And other game stacks that we've kind of been like, eh, I'm not sure that looks enticing this week. We'll maybe fade away from it. Um, but of course, as the week goes on and as we get more news, things change. But I've just found these Tuesday shows this year especially have been really helpful for me, especially to just kind of log in and start the process for prepping for the week ahead earlier than usual. Speaking of a couple of those plays, let's kind of review this past week. Every week I come out with a weekly cash review article. And last week, I feel like the strategy was to pay up for quarterback. And then there is decision to make. It was, were you going to have a double tight end build? So were you going to play Ricky Seals Jones, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, those are kind of like the premier plays, and Ricky Seals-Jones being 3K made him kind of an optimal play across the board, or were you going to go with the three running back build? You and I went different routes, and we kind of ended up near the same spot, but um, kind of talk through that process, and then I'll kind of explain what I did. It was, I would say, a little bit of a ballsy move, but it worked out for both of us. Yeah, in terms of the three uh, running back versus two tight end build, we got news late in the week, obviously, of David Montgomery being out. And then, of course, we got news of uh, Damian Williams also being out. So it left Khalil Herbert in the backfield by himself at 4,600. So it was like, okay, do I go with him and go with two of the popular guys? Maybe it's Kareem Hunt and Jonathan Taylor or Kareem Hunt and Daryl Henderson or or whoever you wanted to play in that 6K range. Or do you play two of those guys and then go to Ricky Seals-Jones and Travis Kelsey? And I think you and I both agreed, like, Travis Kelsey's price, we're not going to see him that cheap, maybe for the rest of the season. So it was just a spot with the matchup where you almost had to play him, in our opinion. So we were locked in there. And then for me, the choice was, like, okay, if I'm playing Kelsey, my thought process behind it was, 
We know correlation matters, even in cash games. So if I'm playing Kelsey, I might as well play RSJ because his price tag is just so, so cheap. And then at the end of the week, we got even more news of like, hey, Curtis Samuel's out. Deami Brown is questionable. Terry McLaurin picked up a hamstring injury. So the C's kind of parted for him to just, in my opinion, be an optimal play at 3K. And I hate building with two tight ends. Like literally nothing makes me more upset than playing two tight ends in DFS. But at his price tag for the projected target share and, pl- and playing time he was going to see, it made a lot of sense. So that's kind of where I landed. And I know you went the opposite direction. You played the three running back build. Yes. And for me, part of it is every week I want a punt play somewhere on my roster. And so RSJ fit that for you as a punt play, but actually he was a good play on top of that uh, at 3K. And so I needed a punt elsewhere because I wanted to go three running backs. So I got some crap from people about Adam Humphreys because he did have a catch. Did you know that? Yeah, he, he had a catch. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm happy that you cashed and you had a, a good week. Um, but I was kind of happy that Adam Humphreys had a bad week. <laughs> Just because I kept telling you all week, I was like, dude, I can't play this guy. There's no way it's it's possible. (laughs) For sure. Here's the thing I tell people at 3.4K or when you have a wide receiver that that's that's so low, you're able to pay up at other positions. I'm not counting on a score from Adam Humphreys. I'm counting on a score for the guys that I paid up for. And anything that Adam Humphreys does is a bonus. Like I'd love for him to 2X and get six points, but I was able to pay up. And then I did the three running back build. I went with uh, Daryl Henderson, who was kind of our optimal play the whole week. I went with Khalil Herbert and then I faded Kareem Hunt, which was a scary, scary thing, knowing he would be popular, knowing he was probably the right play, uh, knowing his workload. And I went with Joe Mixon, someone who I thought had a similar ceiling to Hunt, but would be way less popular. I loved his matchup against the Lions, who were worst against fantasy running backs. And then it ended up working really well for me. So at the end of the day, we kind of ended up in the same spot. There were a couple plays that were super disappointing. Keenan Allen, dude, I am I need to go talk to him. He's going on by. He can go on timeout for a while. And the Browns defense got some negative points. So not too happy about those two. But any other thoughts about cash last week? No, I think that sums it up. It really did. It was a bummer because the Chargers were a team that had been rolling and we were high on them. I think most people in the industry were. They just laid an egg. And of course, that happens in football often. Uh, but I will just speak to the cream hunt thing real quick. The the Kareem Hunt play, I think in cash was correct. I'm not saying what you did was silly by any means, but I just think like, you know, he's going to be so popular. You know, he has the possibility to go off. But at the same time, people were equating what he was building up to the slate as a type of play that was similar to Alexander Madison from the week before. And it couldn't have been further from the case. So I put out a tweet Friday afternoon. When we got this news. I said, if you're not at least considering fading Kareem Hunt in GPPs, you're playing DFS wrong. And the mentions were so, so mean. They're like, you idiot bets. You don't know what you're talking about. He's the best player on the slate. And it's all about context, right? So you can enter a slate knowing that a player is going to be 50% plus rostered. That is an obvious fade in almost any scenario, let alone the fact that he was on the injury report this week. Wednesday and Thursday didn't practice. A news blurb comes out Sunday morning from Tom Pelissero. Cream Hunt is telling reporters, I'm still having pain when I'm running full speed. At that point in GPPs, it makes a ton of sense to fade a player like that. So there's more downside than I think people were willing to accept. I didn't play Cream Hunt in any tournaments. I did play him in cash. And, you know, this is obviously hindsight. It's not part of the process. And, of course, we're never victory lapping injuries. But he did get injured, and, and that's obviously part of the equation as well. So it was um, it was kind of a tricky week, I think, to handle him. I think that people faded him, made the right call. 
But in cash, I did play him, and you know we wish him obviously a speedy recovery, and hopefully the Browns can get back on track because I have lots of bets with the Browns this year, and it's not going well so far. When you have a player that's super popular, you have to ask yourself like, what am I missing out on? So Derrick Henry is one of those players that you know he has a ceiling unlike anyone else. You know, like CMC, like those are players that have forty plus point ceilings, and for Hunt, he was a great price. You know, he's going to get the workload. But there was also a couple other running backs in that same tier that we liked the whole week, right? Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, uh, Joe Mixon, like all of those players were in that tier. So just ask yourself that question in the future. If you are going to fade someone or go underweight, what am I missing out on? And actually put some numbers to that. So I actually did in GPPs the same thing. Like, okay, can I get 25 points from a different spot at running back? That's like way less popular for sure. Like I could find that and Joe Mixon was kind of that play, but yeah, I think last week was a great week of learning how to adjust to news uh, as there's tons of injuries that came out on Friday. I mean, your Injury Blitz podcast was hopping in terms of the names, the questionable tags, everything else. So that's just something you guys want to make sure that you stay connected with. Bets puts that out every single week at jointhefoot.com uh, for those Patreon subscribers. So make sure you're a part of that. But let's get into this week, the state of the main slate. State of the Main Slate. Week seven, also known as the start of Bipocalypse. So we have six teams on by this week. Dallas, Minnesota, Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Steelers, and those Bills who somehow lost on Monday night. Uh, We won't go into that, but I was this close to winning a a five-leg parlay on underdog, and it's gone. Um, But also off the main slate this week due to Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night games, Denver, Cleveland, Indianapolis, San Fran, New Orleans, and Seattle. So this is a small slate once again, but the makeup of the slate I think is different in terms of the big game. So we'll talk about those, but we get our lines uh, from DraftKings Sportsbook. It's where Bets and I play. You can go to sportsbook.draftkings.com. And let's check in with a little wager that you've made, and uh, I'll actually get to jump on board that one too. Yes. This is a wager we have made. Uh, back in the summer, I wrote up an article on the website recapping Kyle uh, and my big dog team on Underdog. Underdog does a tournament for best ball every year. They do you know the smaller stakes ones. They have ones that are a little bit higher stakes. And I said, Kyle, let's jump in this thing together. Like We're literally doing this every day. We know what we're talking about. Let's go for it. And this quote-unquote wager, our best ball team, is thriving at this point in time. And not going to lie, leaving the draft, we were like, man... I don't feel great about this. Like Derrick Henry fell to six. We were just, we were forced to take him because he fell to six. And then, you know, I was like, dude, I want an elite wide receiver in round two. You said, no, let's get Waller. I want an elite wide receiver in round three. You said, no, let's take Najee. So we kind of went back and forth. And here we are with a ragtag group of wide receivers in best ball filling in for the lack of quality with quantity. Thanks to our boys, Adam Thielen, Henry Ruggs, Emmanuel Sanders. Like what is happening? So that is looking really solid. It's still so early in the season, though, so I'm a little hesitant to get excited about it. But after the first, you know, five, six weeks, things are looking pretty good for us. Yeah, we've got Kyler on that team. We got super fortunate with Derek Carr, who's been solid. Like if Kyler's out, like I feel good about uh, Carr. But yeah, that's it. That's a fun team. And it's fun to do that together. And so I just want to give you guys that kind of thought. Like in the future, if you want to do best ball, we'll have best ball content all off season. Uh Join with a friend like that buy-in was what, 250 and we just split it and just said, hey, this is the one kind of serious team and has a really big prize at the end. 
Uh, we'll see, but we'll update you guys periodically. But six weeks in, we're riding the big dog in the big dog. But uh, on the downside, give me a give me a bet that's not going so well. Ooh, bad vibes out of Cleveland. Not good. I have them for several bets, including the Super Bowl to win the AFC, to win their division, to go over their win total. Very high on this team, and they can still turn it around. But at three and three, I think if you would have told me that was going to be their record six weeks into the season, I would have been kind of surprised about it. Um, you know, injuries are piling up. We got Nick Chubb, we've got Kareem Hunt, Baker Mayfield's left shoulder is dislocated twice. Odell Beckham picked up a shoulder injury and still is recovering from his ACL surgery. Jarvis Landry, MCL sprain. Like things are kind of falling apart a little bit here and there. I think they'll get it back on track. But as of right now, that is trending in the wrong direction for my bankroll. I'll say the one that's going wrong for me. And I'm just, I've wrote it off a couple weeks ago. But then when the John Greer news happened, I was like, okay, maybe this hits the under. But I have the Raiders at under seven wins. That's just not going to happen at this point. Four and two. They look pretty resilient this past week. But one that is going well, I got Dallas on DraftKings as the highest scoring offensive league at plus 1,600. And after last night's game, they moved into first. They are now first at 34.2 points per game, slightly edging out the Buffalo Bills. So uh, yeah, Dallas is coming through and really fun team in terms of like consistency, efficiency. Uh, we love we love what they're doing. Wide receivers, we were really high on Ezekiel Elliott for a bounce back season. So yeah. Uh, Cowboys are a super fun team, but for week seven, give me the games that are 50 plus or I'll let you cheat. The ones that are pretty close to 50. Yeah, there's only two games on the entire main slate that have a total north of 50 and leading the pack. Not even close. It's Kansas City and Tennessee at 56 and a half. Detroit and the Rams actually are bet up to 51 at this point. Washington and Green Bay sitting at 49 and then Philly and Las Vegas at 49 and a half. That has gotten bet up a full point since it opened, but it's a weird slate because I feel like we're used to having like three or four games kind of sitting between 50 and 55 points. And there's a lot of plays this week that are going to be in that like 47 and a half to 48 total range that we might have to kind of make a decision. Are we going in on those teams or are we going to fade them? But yeah, there's not a lot in terms of the 50 plus totals this week. It's kind of interesting. There's also three teams on the slate that are massive. I mean, massive home favorites. Okay. So uh, the Rams, like you mentioned, are 15-point favorites last time I saw it. All right, so that's that's wild against the Lions. The Cardinals, uh, it got bet down, but it's 16.5-point favorites against the Texans at home. And then the Buccaneers, 13.5-point favorites against the Bears. So all of those games are, you have these teams that are, have great offenses, and you got to ask yourself, like, can I run it back on the other side. There's cheap options, I'll say, for the Bears, the Texans, the Lions, uh, probably some of the worst teams in the league. So that'll be something to kind of navigate and figure out. Do I go all in and say the Rams are going to put up 35 plus points again like they did against the Giants last week? The Cardinals, their offense is humming, but it's so spread out among the wide receivers. Will I get that right in a GPP? And the same thing with the Buccaneers. Like, is this the week for Chris Godwin as opposed to Tonio Brown? So love those three teams. I just interested in stacking which way you want to go. And so my first question usually in this pod is what's going to be the most popular game. But I think you and I can both agree. It's going to be Kansas city and Tennessee as like, as the game that has the monster monster 56 and a half total. It might even be bet up more just after last night and uh, after Derrick Henry. So I don't know if we need to talk about the popularity of that game. Anything you want to state? No, I mean, it, it, far and away is going to have the most roster percentage associated with it because of the names 
Pat Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, just like people, you know, we love to play these guys. They're super fun and the game environment looks awesome. I also put in the DFS pass in the Vegas report, I talked about, like you said, you know, there's a lot of games that have a decent total, a lot of teams that have a really high implied team total, but there's not a lot of high total games that are close in the spread. And this is the only one. So it is going to be very, very popular. Um, I think we kind of have to wait and see like what the roster percentages look like later in the week to decide if we're going to go in on it or maybe fade it. But um, yeah, early in the week, we can say confidently it's going to be the most popular. All right. So then I'll switch gears and ask this question of those teams that are heavy favorites. I mentioned the Rams, Cardinals, Buccaneers. Which onslaught stack do you want to attack with an onslaught? If you've not thought of that before, it's saying this team is going to destroy their team implied total and I want to jump on board and get maybe three, even four pieces uh, from this team. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because when you kind of frame it like that, I'm not sure that this team fits the bill of like, I want four pieces. But I just feel so confident that Arizona is going to be able to roll against the Texans. Their implied team total is 31.8. Certainly could see them going north of that. And then like you said, I think that it's a spot that even though on paper it's an awesome matchup, people are probably not going to confidently play Kyler double stacks or even maybe Kyler stacks in general because you're like, like you said, I want to play DeAndre Hopkins, but if he's going to get, is he going to get four targets or 12 targets? I have no idea. Is it going to be AJ AJ Green or Christian Kirk? I have no idea. And I think that that, you know, ambiguity is a spot to attack in GPPs because of the fact that a lot of times we see when people don't know who to play, they sort of stay away from it. So I could see those guys, even in a really, really positive matchup, be less popular than maybe they should be. I can see the Rams just stepping on the throat of the Lions for numerous reasons. I hope that Sean McVay is just saying, hey, I am going to make Jared Goff look so bad this week, and I'm going to make Matthew Stafford look so good. We know that there's a huge discrepancy in terms of these teams, their talent, and the Lions defense is really bad. So if you wanted to get three, even four Rams pieces, I don't think you're crazy. Uh, I actually think DeAndre Swift might be my favorite play right now on the slate on DraftKings. And we'll talk about that price in a second, but just like talk about negative game script and getting like 30,000 checkdowns. Uh, I know that's narrative based, but still like I like that game and I like the Rams to like the Rams are a team that say, Hey, we want to keep scoring. We don't care. And they show that against the giants. Like we're going to keep pouring it on. So you could get three or four pieces there, but what's the sneakiest game on the slate? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting decision point because this is the game that you're going to be underweight on, <laughs> you put here. I actually really like the Bengals and the Ravens game. And the reason is because when you look at the kind of teams, you say, okay, it's a divisional matchup. Sometimes there's a little lower scoring. But then you also say, okay, the Bengals have been more run heavy. They haven't really let Joe Burrow do his thing. And also when you look, look at their defensive metrics and stats, they look pretty good. That's the Bengals. But I'm going to tell you that they don't matter and those are silly because their quote-unquote good defense has played some horrific, horrific offenses. We're talking about Chicago. We're talking about the corpse of Big Ben. We're talking about the Jaguars. And we're talking about the Lions. Those are four of the teams that the Bengals defense has faced. When they have not faced those players, they're giving up almost an average of about 30 points to opposing teams. So it is a spot that I think that I'm fading the matchup, even though it looks like a difficult one on paper. And it also is one that I think Joe Burrow is going to throw more. You know, in the first three weeks, he averaged 25 pass attempts per game. Over the last three weeks, they're letting him throw more, 33 pass attempts per game. So I'm I'm kind of chalking that up to 
early season, you know, protecting him and kind of letting him get back into the offensive flow. So I like that game, and I think it's going to go a little bit under the radar because it has that kind of middling total, like you said, at 47 and a half. I'm going to go with your Eagles against the Raiders. The game's been bet up, like you mentioned. It's approaching 50. Derek Carr is, he's been a top 12 quarterback in four of six weeks, which is pretty impressive. That's tied with Kyler and Tom Brady. And then the Eagles defense, they haven't given up huge games, but they're allowing quarterbacks to complete 72% of their passes, which is fourth highest. So, I mean, I can ask you, is the Eagles defense good? Not great, Bob. Not great. I feel like they've been like a bend, don't break totally, but like I could totally see Derek Carr destroy them this week. So I like that game. I think there's some fun little stacking options. Um, and I like Jalen Hurts' price tag as well if you wanted to go that direction. And then I'll, I'll just follow up with what you said. The game I would kind of want to be underweight on is right now the line is six and a half. So Bengals aren't getting much in terms of team implied total. The game only has a 47 total. And I just don't ever know which Bengals wide receiver to pick. Like the easy answer would be Chase, but I could totally see this being a week where it's a Higgins week. And yeah, I'm just, I'm, I just don't know which where I, which way to go with Baltimore. I know they want to run the ball, but then they're running with 2015 fantasy football all-stars in the backfield. (laughs) So I could just see this game hitting the under and it's an AFC North battle. So uh, I, I don't know. I, these teams know each other. I guess you got to pick which host you like better and then go with their advice <laughs> this week. <laughs> We're yeah, not helping the go people. For it. <laughs> oh man. Yes. It's going to be fun to watch Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell carry the ball on Sunday, isn't it? Guys, that's, if you're playing still in a 2015 fantasy football league, uh, I think you're, you're doing all right. All right. So which game do you want to be underweight on? Yeah, for me, I, I can see arguments for playing Tampa. Obviously they've got a great implied total. Tom Brady's awesome. Team's doing great. Um, but the the Bears, like, are they going to actually push Tom Brady to actually have to put up a big stat line? I'm going to take no. <laughs> I would say probably not. Um, and I know that, you know, the matchup on paper looks good against the Tampa secondary. But this Bears offense, man, just stuck in the mud. They can't get anything going with Justin Fields. They can't pass protect at all. They've got one of the worst offensive lines in football. And here comes Tampa's top three defensive line maybe even top in the league some would say against a rookie quarterback it's just hard to see them like pushing him pushing Tom Brady pushing the Bucks to get there so you know this Bears offense they've gone over 20 points one time all season like I, I, I don't know what to tell you I can't play the Bears in a game stack at all this week I stared at Justin Fields for a while I was like okay he's cheap maybe this is the week and then you know I was sitting more with his metrics He's taken a sack on 15.4% of his dropbacks. That's like destroying like every other person in the league. It's like unreal how often he's taking it. And he's taking it in bad situations. They were actually in it against the Packers. And there's a couple times where he just needed to throw it away. He's still our boy. We still love Justin Fields on this podcast. Oh, yeah. But he's taking sacks at a crazy rate. But uh, team most confident hits the over of their team implied total. I'm saying the Rams... Their team implied total is 34 and a half against the Lions. That's really high. That's really high, people. I still think they go over. I can't blame you. Um, I'm going to go with Baltimore. We talked about it. They're hitting their team implied uh, over often, four of six weeks so far this year, which is one of the highest in football. So again, I'm fading the the quote-unquote matchup against the Bengals. I still think they're a little overrated on defense. Um, I think the, the Ravens here can have a nice week. I like Lamar this week 
to bounce back. Last week was just kind of unfortunate. He threw those two picks, but I felt like he was playing well, the team was winning, and it just didn't go his way uh, in terms of game flow. But the team I'm most confident in the under is I just can't see myself playing Texans this week. Even Brandon Cooks probably will not be on the roster, and the Cardinals' defense we'll talk about in a second is, a, I, I would say, an elite play. They're not a punt play, but they're an elite play even at their price tag. Yep, I'm with you. I like that call. And I'll go with the lines. I can't see them hitting their total. Uh, Sean McVay knows exactly what Jared Goff is not good at, and he's going to make him try to do those things. And yes, I agree with you. It's a little narrative based, but I think it's a prove it week for you know Sean McVay proving he was right in letting Jared Goff go and getting Matthew Stafford. I could just see this being an absolute just like 40 to like seven type of game for the Rams just go like steamroll them. So I'm with you on that one. salary standouts so on tuesday these are the players that bets and i have kind of identified as our early cash considerations maybe some of them will give some gpp um, even some FanDuel specific plays but all of these all of our picks are in the dfs pass i come up with a first look article where i kind of go through position by position it's a long write up on a tuesday but that's something that you and i get to do when the salaries come out on Monday, we go back and forth and say, who do you like? Who do you like? Wow, why is this player only priced this much? So it's a fun little exercise beginning of the week. Uh, instead of just scrolling through DraftKings app, actually like get them out. You can download the CSV file from DraftKings and uh, be able to just look at the spreadsheets that way. If you're a spreadsheet bro or gal, uh, but give me the quarterbacks you like so far. Yeah, been talking about the Ravens. Not going to stop now. I love Lamar this week. He's 7.4K. His price didn't change. And now he gets the Bengals. And like you said, last week was kind of an off week, but I think he can get get right here. They've got a nice implied team total. So I'll take Lamar at 7.4K. I think he's solid. And then Matthew Stafford, he's 7.1K. He's a little more pricey than he's been so far this season. But with how he's playing in this matchup against Detroit in a hashtag revenge game, uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And, and certainly I want some exposure to those Rams. I feel like fantasy players, fantasy community people as a whole are like happy for Stafford. Like we're happy that he's he's well. He's not getting the crazy volume, like those crazy volume years that we got even his rookie year and second year. Like, but we're just happy for him that this is like this is what we knew he was, and Sean McVay saw it. And so the Rams are super fun. But uh, Matthew Stafford's a great pick. I like Jalen Hurts at six point nine. That's too cheap for his rushing upside, and all he's done every single week is just perform for fantasy for fantasy. I just wanted to give that caveat and that's all I really care about. So uh, he's beginning it done on the ground and as a passer, uh, he's kind of failed the last two weeks, but it doesn't really matter. So Jalen hurts 6.9 is in cash consideration. And then Ryan Tannehill 6.4 is super cheap. He's kind of part of that Monday night pricing glitch. He's playing the chiefs chiefs defense stinks. It's really, really bad. Like it's it's absurdly bad, uh, especially against fantasy quarterbacks. So Ryan Tannehill and approaching the game, that game through stacking through Tannehill is probably going to be the way that it's like, okay, here's how you get different. Um, but does he have a ceiling? We've seen those ceiling games in the past, right? Where he throws for two or three, runs for one. And that's kind of what you're hoping for. But any other specific plays you like? I'll just start real quick over on FanDuel. Kyler at, at 8.7K, excuse me is way more affordable than he is on DraftKings for building this week. So if you want Kyler, FanDuel is the place to play him, in my opinion, this week. Of course, if you want to play him in a tournament on DraftKings, do it. But he's too cheap on FanDuel. The thing about Kyler that's frustrating is we're just not getting the full 
version. Like we're not getting the final boss form of Kyler running the ball. And so like to me, he's the league MVP right now. It's either him or Stafford or Josh Allen. Hopefully it's Kyler for my, for my Lamar, dude. No love for Lamar. Dude, it's, it's, uh, apparently I'm not liking Lamar on this podcast. Dude, come on. You're such a hater. Five and one. They just put up 34 on the chargers. No, like literally no defense. Like everyone's hurt. Come on. Give us, give some love to our boy Lamar. Kyler six and zero. Oh, that's where I'm going to go right now. They love. Right, come on, voters are going to love that narrative, probably. And that the team was better without Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> Apparently they are. <laughs> they smashed him <laughs> their offense. Looks so good, and he wasn't there. And <laughs> do you hear? Like he didn't watch the game. Really? Yeah, he was just the, chilling. The story. <laughs> he was just chilling. He listened to like the last like little bit. Like uh, I think he listened through radio or like audio only. And then, like, he congratulated the team, but, like, I don't know. I guess he just felt better, but, hey, whatever. Um, running back this week, there's a big question, all right? This is And this is the one to figure out. Derrick Henry on DraftKings is 9.2. On FanDuel, he is $11,000. So how do you handle that, uh, considering there's no one even close? Because CMC is the next on both sides, but we know he's out. And then it's Aaron Jones, like, way down there. So how are you approaching Derrick Henry at, on a Tuesday? Oh, man, it's so tough because last night he was just amazing and he's been amazing all season. So the price is probably kind of warranted. But at the same time, like I, I talked about it before, as his price continues to go up, the theory behind fading him is that he needs to do more to pay it off. And can he really do more? I, how is it possible? He's putting up... 102 touchdowns seemingly every week like it's, it's what it feels like anyway so it's tough because he's so expensive but he's probably the safest spend up option on the slate kansas city you know obviously is, is not a great defense and they've been getting burned on the ground too so on paper it's a great matchup the price tag is definitely concerning i think my lean right now is to be underweight in gpps just because he is so i guess price prohibitive especially on fanduel yeah i i don't personally tell anyone to say completely fade the big dog. Like I would, I'm just terrified of that man. The chiefs right now, their quote unquote defense is allowing the highest first down rate on rushes in the league. So over a third of the Russian attempts that the chiefs are seeing, they're going for first downs. They're giving up nine touchdowns, 5.2 yards per carry. It's a bad defense, no matter what stat or rushing passing. So I think the way you would do it in GPPs is say, I'm going to get Tannehill. I'm going to get Henry and I'm going to get one more piece on the Tennessee side. You know, AJ Brown's probably going to be popular too because of his price tag. But let's say you went with Nick Westbrook Akeen or you went with Ferkser, somebody else different. And then you brought it back with somebody on the Kansas City side. That's how you can get a little different because I think the main builds are going to be Mahomes and either Tyreek or, or Kelsey and then Henry on the other side. So getting different with him, but in cash on DraftKings, I feel like that price is still too low. Yeah, I think he's definitely in play over there, obviously, for the reasons that you just said. But yeah, 9.2K isn't that egregious, especially because, you know, there's some wide receiver names that we'll throw out here that are a little bit cheaper that look like they're going to be in play in like the 4K range and the 3K range that if you wanted to go with that more like stars and scrubs type build this week, you could definitely do it. So some of the ones, some of the other running backs that are popping, they're popping in the model in terms of points per dollar. Dude, these guys are hot. It's I love finding running backs in that 6K range because 
we know they have ceilings, but they're not priced according to that. So uh, I love DeAndre Swift on DraftKings at 6K against the Rams in a negative game script. And the last two weeks, he's seeing over 75% of the snaps. So DeAndre Swift's a good spot. And then I'll mention Chuba Hubbard, 6.1K against the Giants. Matt Rule came out today and said, we got to run the ball more. And last to, right? three weeks. That's how you win. Yeah. Chuba Hubbard has three starts and he has over 60 touches. So if I know I'm going to get 20 touches from a running back at 6.1, I feel like uh, that's firmly in play. Yeah. Don't hate those calls at all. Um, the most popular running back play on the week is going to be Daryl Henderson. I would say almost certainly, Kyle, maybe you disagree, but I think right now that's probably the, the case. He's 6.6K on DraftKings taking on the Lions, who literally over the last three weeks have just gotten destroyed week after week after week by running backs. He's going to be most popular play on the slate. With a huge total, it's hard to look elsewhere in cash. I think early in the week, he looks like a really, really strong cash game play. I'll throw out a couple other names here. Darrell Williams, he's 5.8K taking on the Titans. So if you want exposure to that game environment, he's a way to do it. And we were begging the Chiefs to, to give CEH 20 plus touches. Like, please play this guy. Give him the ball. What do they do? The first game, CEH is out. Darrell Williams, like 22 carries or something like that, finds the end zone a couple times. Like, he is what we wanted CEH to be. And he's cheap below 6K. So I'll throw him out. And then really, like last one here, early in the week, this price just stuck out to me. I don't think you can play him in cash, obviously. But Miles Sanders is just $600 more than the Stone Min for a running back. Like, he is just buried in pricing this week i think he's a solid like gpp dart throw type of play just based off the price but again it, you haven't seen anything positive to really be excited about him in cash i just want to throw out that his price is silly yeah i do like that from a sneaky perspective because that's the game i kind of called out earlier but i'll give you a 5k running back how about that smooches jd mckissick do we have an update about antonio gibson because if he's out i feel like mckissick is going to be a popular kind of like okay i can put him in my lineup and spend up elsewhere yeah we haven't really gotten any news as of tuesday morning in regards to the mri that gibson had but just looking at things kind of through the lens of what's been happening i have serious bad vibes about gibson he's dealing with a stress fracture in his shin and then also picked up a calf strain on sunday so those two things combined should keep him out honestly probably multiple weeks so i don't think he plays this week but we'll see what the practice reports tell us as the week goes on the Packers are a run funnel defense. Smooches saw 10 targets this past week and over 60% of the snaps. And Jared Patterson will definitely mix in there. But I, in a potentially negative game script, like I will pay 5K on a PPR site for a guy that has always been that kind of dude. So uh, early in the week, I like JD McKissick at 5K. Uh, and then on Fandle, we mentioned Derrick Henry at 11K. That's crazy expensive. And I detailed, like, in order for him to pay off 11K in a tournament, you have to have 40-plus points. Like, the, that's the minimum. And it's crazy to say, but, like, I mean, he could do it. He could easily do he it. He could do it. He really could. <laughs> it almost feels like a 50-50 proposition to go, uh... But for me, right now, GPPs, I would definitely be massively underweight if the field's going to play him that much. Uh, but a wide receiver... Devontae Adams is the top play this week, especially on FanDuel at 9K. Tyreek's a great play. Any worry about Tyreek? I know he did, kind of played only half the snaps this past week, but uh, yeah. do you feel good about him moving forward? It's kind of hard to say because he was in and out of the lineup and he kind of seemed to be 
affected by it at some points, but then he kind of, you know, he came back in and looked like himself. So I'm not sure how severe it is. Clearly, he was affected in some capacity, but I think that this is an injury based off what they're saying. It's a quad contusion, not a quad strain that will improve over time. So I think that as the weeks go on, he'll be more healthy. And he, honestly, he could be back to 100% within this first week. So as of now, not really super concerned about Tyreek Hill. I feel like you're going to have to make a choice this week in cash lineups. Do I play Devontae Adams? Do I play Derrick Henry? Because they're kind of in that same pricing tier. So do you have an early lean? I don't have an early lean. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't ask. My initial take, and this all happened in about 0.3 seconds. My initial take was, how do you not play Derrick Henry in cash? And then at the same time, I looked right down at the price tag and said, <laughs> how do you not play a Devontae Adams at 8.9K? Um, against Washington. Like, come on, he's going to dominate. So my lean is Devontae Adams, but at the same time, no, you know, I have nothing negative to say about Derrick Henry. Yeah. How dare you say anything negative? He would beat the tar out of you. No, I lean Adams as well <laughs> at, at 8.9, but, uh, there's a couple of mid price receivers that you really like. Yes. Let's not even, uh, bury the lead here. Calvin Ridley, <laughs> 6.6 K is the cheapest he has been since week one of 2020. I'm going to be playing Calvin Ridley in some capacity this week. He's taking on the Dolphins. Last week, both of their top cornerbacks were out. If those guys are both out again, two stud corners in Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. If they're out, Calvin Ridley, I think, is in cash consideration, even though we haven't seen the ceiling from him. That's just that price tag is just so cheap for the talent that he has. And we know that one of those games from Calvin Ridley is coming soon and later, especially before he kind of left the team for personal reasons. His ADOT was starting to slowly creep back up. So if that does trend in the right direction, I want to hop on board before his price tag gets too expensive. And then I'll also throw out our boy Rod Godwin. Chris Godwin is below 6K. That feels like a misprice to me at 5.9K taking on the Bears. So I love those two guys this week. Chris Godwin has run the most routes in the entire league. And Chris Godwin is tied with Cooper Cup for the most red zone targets. So I think it's going to fall back in his favor soon. So I do like him at that price tag. Uh, I'll also throw out Devonta Smith is only 5.4. So his salary's kind of slowly gone back down. If you're stacking with Jalen Hurts, I think he's a great option. He's running a crazy ton amount of routes. And then those Bengals, uh, Jamar Chase actually went down $500 in salary, which was kind of surprising <laughs> given his big game. T. Higgins went down even further. He's only 4.9K. So both of those receivers are interesting if you want to stack that game. A.J. Brown had a great second half. He was non-existent in the first half on Monday night. And his price is only 6.3. And so I've shared this before, but on Monday night, they put out the prices, not knowing it's going to happen in the game. He was super awesome. They won the game. Do you feel like with that price tag and with this popular game, like he's going to be up there 20 plus percent? Yeah, probably, especially with Julio Jones injuring his hamstring again last night. I, I think it's going to be one of those seasons, unfortunately, for Julio that we saw last year, which is really sad. But yes, if he is out, A.J. Brown should dominate the targets. And they kind of told him, if you guys saw like the press conference from practice on Friday, I think it was, they had said, oh, we're going to ease you in. And, you know, over the next couple of weeks, you don't want you to aggravate your hamstring. And they said they're going to keep him in check. He played 80% of the snaps last night. They're not keeping A.J. Brown in check, especially in a game against the Chiefs where they have to keep up. So I think he's going to be very popular, but for good reason. It's, it's a great spot for A.J. Brown. So I was on Twitter. I was logged on like everyone else should be when A.J. Brown tweeted out that, hey, I'll never eat fast food again. Dude deletes the tweet within a minute, <laughs> but I was there. I was I was sitting there, happened to be at the top of my feed. 
So my question for you is, what do you think he was actually eating that would cause him to have that bad of a issue that he might miss a game? <laughs> the best was we were talking about this in the Slack channel. <laughs> People are just throwing out random things. I love the the call. Someone said, what if he was eating Arby's? And you said, yeah, that beef and cheddar, that will get you. So <laughs> I think that's a possibility. Um, and I think we've all had a bad experience or two with Taco Bell. So one of those two, maybe. Yeah, I think it was it, it was something. So Arby's was my first guess that it could have been Hardee's. Like I, no one really, Carl's Jr., depending on what part of the country you're in. But like if he got like some double bacon cheeseburger, like AJ, come on, dude, you are the most ripped person on the planet and you can eat trash and still look that good. Uh, but 6.3, I'm, I want exposure to him in both, in cash and GPP, uh, AJ Brown. Awesome price. I'll give you some cheapies. My favorite cheapie so far at first glance is Rashad Bateman at 3.4. I know that you're a big fan of this guy and his usage was really good uh, this past week. Yeah, for sure. He played about two thirds of the snaps. Sammy Watkins was out. So he kind of played right into his role, saw six targets, which tied the team lead and his targets per out run was at 27%. And that's a stat that the guys have been talking a lot about on the main show to track. So essentially what that tells us is when he's out there, when he's running a route, he's seeing targets. And, you know, that hopefully will come back up in terms of his playing time, only 66% of the snaps. If that goes up, then you're talking about a guy that could see six to eight targets at 3.4K in a game environment that I don't know you don't like, but I like. So I'm definitely in on Rashad Bateman as a punt option this week at 3.4K. I mean, he's that perfect Adam Humphreys price at 3.4, which is what we love. I'm projecting more, more than what Humphreys did. <laughs> Which I guess <laughs> I would hope so, <laughs> but you're Humphrey's not asking just running around out there doing nothing. He just literally was running okay. around the field. <laughs> okay. Let me just say this really quickly. People on that RSJ <laughs> touchdown, Adam Humphreys was open too deep. There was complete blown coverage on that play. Adam Humphreys was op- open deeper on the field and Heineke threw it to RSJ. So that's how I sleep at night. All right. So Rashad Bateman, 3.4, great pump play. And then the Tennessee wide receivers, uh, Chester Cheetos Rogers, 3.4, uh, Nick Westburn Akeen, he's only 3.3. Julio's out, so consider those guys in terms of stacking. I mean, I'm assuming I would go Bateman over those guys in cash for the punt. Oh, yeah, 10 out of 10 times. Okay. And then Fandle, we always have to mention Devontae and Tyreek at the top because of their pricing. Uh, Robert Woods is $2,000 cheaper than Cooper cup. So in tournaments on FanDuel, I think he's a great little leverage play because they'll come in a lot lower and Henry Ruggs, our boy, part of the big dog squad is uh 5.7. I think he's in a good spot this, this week as well. And then let's blaze through tight ends and defense. So give me tight ends and I'll do defense. Sounds good. Let's just stay over on FanDuel in that same game. Darren Waller. We've been, you know, waiting for that breakout huge game that we saw in week one and we haven't really seen it since but the eagles not great at covering tight ends and his price at 6.8k is buried relative to the elite options over there so he's great on FanDuel, and then on DraftKings, travis kelsey's still very affordable at 7.6k mark andrews he's been awesome he's 6k against the Bengals, and then there's not really a lot of great punt options this week rsj is okay down at 3.7k his price keeps going up with his role but still definitely affordable there. And then I'll just throw out, if you want to play someone in that 4K range, I hate doing that, but this slate is kind of tricky. Mike Kosicki is a name that I'm going to throw out. I like him at 4.7K. He's just, he's been a wide receiver, like actually been a wide receiver, barely lining up on in the end of the line for the Dolphins. So if they need him to do more this week against the Falcons, 
certainly could pay off that price tag. You're such a Penn State homer, but whatever, dude. <laughs> this is this is accurate. Just, <laughs> I know. Uh, Gesicki was awesome. I played him this past week in redraft and what, 115 yards. Yeah, he's a wide receiver. And uh, Kyle Pitts in that same game, I think, is in a bad play. All right, defense, there are two options that stand above the rest. But the best option is the Cardinals at 3.1 against the Texans. That is crazy cheap for a team that could easily be the DST1 on the slate. They're way down there. And then the Giants are at home against Sam Darnold, who in the last three games, all losses, just has decided to throw picks and revert back to his old self. Uh, and then on Fandle, I'll throw out that the Buccaneers are the DST five on there. And, uh, we mentioned, uh, Justin Fields is enjoying the journey of taking sacks every single week. So you can go there if you want, go to ballersdfs.com If you want to play with us every single week on DraftKings. And I want to give you guys a special little shout out. When I get to open these contests, make sure you join them. Make sure you tell other people to do it. Sometimes if you go in there, there are contests that are open and maybe you didn't get the notification. Uh, but there were a couple this past week that I was that people got to jump in because they realized that they're just sitting there in the lobby. We have some of those tournaments available. So make sure you guys constantly check our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers, DFS, Borg, Plus Bets. You can play against us, playing against Andy, Mike, and Jason, and you can have a great old time. For Bets, why don't you sign off for the lovely people? Yes, we will be back on Friday to preview the main slate. Hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you then. Take care. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.